you made it to level two, deeper questions leading to deeper answers. I'm Tomas Garza, and I'm here to help you decide to transform. I'll be setting the pace for the process to support your unfolding. Learn and commit to a practice that brings simplicity and an awareness of what is ready to be released. Join me now and allow the experience of a deeper sense of love. Hello and welcome to Decide to Transform. I'm your host, Tomas Garza, and this is fun here. Joining me today is Jocelyn Bellows from Colorado. Jocelyn and I have been talking about this show today for quite a while. Now, Jocelyn, by way of intro, is the host of a podcast on Anchor called Leap. And I've been a guest on Leap before. And I have to say, Jocelyn, that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed speaking with you. Jocelyn's also a coach, a breakup to wake up coach. So Jocelyn, welcome. Thomas, Thomas, thank you so much for having me. And yes, as you have mentioned, we have had this conversation about me being a guest on your show for a month or two. And I know you had some transitions going on in your world. Um, and I'm so grateful that we get to have this time today. Yes, I am too. We've been talking about this for for some time, and all, so much has happened in life in that period of time. But you know, here you are, and you're here with a coaching business, an active coaching business, and break up to wake up. So tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. What does what does that involve? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when, when people, when I came up with that title, in fact, I'm going to be honest with you, I was in a business with a, worked with some business coaches as I was starting to form my business. And it was um, one of my classmates who actually sort of throw that out there and said, what do you think? And I, and it was based on, you know, my own journey of why I decided to become a coach. And I thought, and it was really kind of scary for me at first because it, it felt very, um, bold and it felt very striking and I was like I don't know but I'm like wait a minute those are things I actually value about myself I've always been bold so why am I why am I sort of shrinking back from that um and so once I kind of really understood what it meant and what it was going to mean for me and came to terms with it I was like this is it this is exactly what it is so break up to wake up is really breaking up with the stories that you've told yourself about who you thought you were, you were going to be based on the community that raised you. Um, you know, we, we have that first seven years of life that we start to form who we are, right? right. Based on, you know, based on either your, a family member has said something to you or you've watched a family member, um, you know, act a certain way or respond to you in a certain way, way based on your behavior. And that starts to form like, what you think about yourself and what you believe yourself to be. And it's actually not necessarily the person that you really are. Um, so right. we go to the roots of those stories um, where you maybe say that you always needed external validation to receive love or you weren't worthy of love or you weren't, um, you, you self-abandon. Um, and those, these things will be patterns throughout your life. Sure. Getting to the roots of those, like not just like the symptoms that happened when you were like, 18 because i guarantee if you saw it at 18 you probably saw it at age 11 maybe you actually started saw it at age four you may not actually remember that going back to age four cleaning up that story 
breaking mm -hmm. up with that pattern, taking that, pulling that root out and then planting a new seed and nourishing that because that is the person you actually are. Um, so it's okay. breaking up with the garbage to wake up to the person that you really are authentically and you always were, but we've been patterned to believe otherwise. Yes, and you're referring to these limiting stories. So for our listeners, could you give us an example of what that looks like? How does that play out in people's lives? Yeah, um, I think what I'm actually going to do is really start. Well, I'll share an example of a conversation I just had um, okay. very recently yeah. with yeah. with um, with a one of my clients. And it was around um, connecting people. This okay. is kind of where it started. Um, and I and I do this with myself. So I, I saw this play out, even though it was playing out in her world, I was like, wow, this is something I can very much relate to. And many people probably can. Um, you know, each one of us has a network of people that we know in our world. Um, you know, and and as you start to meet people along your path, you say, oh my gosh, this person over here, if I connect this person to this other person, because they both have the same thing. So like an example of this is um, in her world was she, she had a woman that she'd recently met who was a, an Enneagram coach. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's what she went out and did. And she was like, oh, well, I know this other person who's really fascinated with the Enneagram and is very well connected in the same community. So let's connect these two people, right? But I, and, and, and let me tell you, this first person, this first coach, this Enneagram coach, didn't actually ask to be connected to this other one, this other person. She outwardly offered to make this happen. And we, as we started to talk a little bit about this, and this is like a little, this is a little vignette of it, um, she was like, energetically, I feel a little bit exhausted. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, well, what do you think that's, as we started digging deeper through this and understood the, what the origin was, is that she, the reason she did this and she's done this, a pattern behavior throughout life is there was an external validation to that. Okay. She felt right. important. She was self-important now because she knows this person and this person. Even though she didn't care necessarily what, what they bring together, and, and neither people really had asked for this connection. She went out of her way to do it. So well, why are you expending your energy around that piece of your life? Like, why do you, why do you deserve, why do you need that? What's the fulfillment there for external validation? Okay. Um, so we're still kind of digging through what that really, the origin of that, but it's, it, that's kind of where it starts. Mm -hmm. You know, sure. um, an example, another example, this was another client who, um, when her, when she was born, her, before she was born, her father had been an alcoholic for many, many years. Oh, I see. Mm -hmm. And on the day of her, and had gotten clean, had sobered up. But on the day of her birth, she was told that her father drank that day. Mm. And that became a story for her to say she caused her father's um, relapse oh, to alcoholism. Right. It was because she was born. As, mm -hmm. and, and when she finally kind of confronted this or had this conversation with her family about, hey, this, because it, it, what, it, what it morphed into was that she caused people to get sick. Okay, right. right. She was the cause right. of this. And as we dug in deeper to this, like she, she, she did talk with her family about it. It turned out none of that was ever true. On the day of her birth, yes, her father did have a drink, had a drink in celebration. I see. Mm -hmm. Of her life. Okay. But for her, she created this whole story that she, caused people's illness 
Mm, and by right. her behavior, by her being alive and being around, she causes other people to, to, to not be living well. And that right. simply wasn't true. Okay. But she didn't understand that for years. And right. so we all have those things. Like myself, yes. um, you know, was a main example for myself mm -hmm. is um, one of my favorite subjects in school was math. Oh yeah, and I okay. Loved it. Loved it. <laughs> I love it. And, okay. And this, and it, this actually plays in a couple of different facets. But I'll start with the math. All um, right. What, in fact, my favorite teacher as a child, as a actually a high schooler, um, was my math teacher. And and whenever there was like a math problem to solve on the board that we had that open opportunity, my hand was raised. Right. I was All up right. there. I'm like, please put me out there on the on the front <laughs> on the on the front of the class and do this because this is something I really enjoyed. And he often pit, he did often choose me. And the reason he chose me is because I always had a different way of getting to the answer. Like he'd oh. teach the one principled way. I would do it in a way that made sense to me. Okay. And so he actually called, he coined it. He's like, this is, you know, this is the way I teach this. And he'd have like another student do it. And then he called me up because he's like, and this is how Jocelyn does it. Right. Ah, yes. And, and um, it, it played into me being unique. Okay. Um, and I'm going back to the Enneagram, you know, my Enneagram, I'm a four, I'm an individualist. My name is Jocelyn. I don't know, I think I've met two of my entire life. So I've always, for me, I, from early, early age, I've always defined myself as unique because I was an original because no one else was like me and no one else could possibly understand me because <laughs> I'm so unique. And so there's the, the yeah, the, uh, the, high, the high side was I'm unique and I'm interesting. And the downside was, no one could possibly ever understand what it's like to live in my world. Okay, right. Well, and then, so how has that played out in your life? You just mentioned an upside and a downside to being unique. So, you know, how have you worked through in your own life the downside of that, the nobody can possibly understand me? Mm-hmm. And this is something that this is actually probably the biggest one of the things I, I still, I mean, I, I work on every day. I think we all, not every day, but it's something that I continue to, to uncover. Um, something that this isn't something that I, I do for myself and I use in my practice is when I start to really talk negatively about myself, because we all have that inner, the inner mind is constantly, the mind's constantly running. Sure. When it starts to go to a place where no one possibly understands what I'm going through, and I start to like say, I don't have any friends because of this. I knew, you know, I'm in a really dark place, and no, and if I call someone, they're not going to get it. I actually start journaling. Mm -hmm. I journal around it because I want it out of my system, because I want it out of my head. Right? I don't necessarily analyze it. I just get it out, because okay. the more that I put it in my head, the more it becomes a bigger, bigger piece doesn't actually exist so as soon as I get it out I actually don't read it again um, and that what that actually ends up doing is creating new space now in my mind where I actually can reflect upon it um, and ask myself I just said this thing even though I don't read it again but I just said this thing about myself is it actually true okay mm -hmm. is this this piece that I've just said actually true all right and if it is what, why do you think it isn't? And giving reasons as to why these, these, I can substantiate these things. Oftentimes it's actually not true. Sure. Um, and, then it, and then the next level that comes in is just forgiveness. Ah, yes, like okay. Giving yourself for 
you know, having said something awful about yourself, because I guarantee, and, and I, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to guess I'm going to go on a limb here. Tomas, you probably have had these moments too, where you've talked really, you've been very hard on yourself or really harsh to yourself, right? I've had, I've had many decades where I was very harsh <laughs> on myself. Yes. Right. So, <laughs> you know, so, and we do it, like we, we collectively do this. And I don't think all the yes. times we talk about it really openly. Um, and if you were to take a moment, like as harsh as you are, you talk to yourself, do you think you'd ever say those things to somebody else that you care about? I usually would not, especially in one of those decades in particular, <laughs> when I was younger. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I would either. I don't mm -hmm. generally, by, by and large, I don't think I, the, the things I say to myself, I don't think I'd ever say it about anybody, to anybody else about, or how I felt that way about anybody else, ever. Right. Mm -hmm. Yet, it's so easy for me to take, to say some harsh, harsh things to myself. So like, sure. stopping that pattern in its tracks um, and just being, and just forgiving yourself for having said some garbage and just say let it go mm -hmm. it, it happened it's done it doesn't actually mean anything right and we move forward on that yeah and so forgiveness is such an interesting tool to use in any form of transformation why do you suppose that it is that people are so hesitant to forgive themselves when they can maybe easily forgive other people why is forgiving yourself tougher for many I, I believe, honestly, it gets easier the more that you take care of yourself, the more that you truly fall in love with yourself, mm -hmm. truly. And, okay. and that's something, and, and so I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a really quick side note and come back. Sounds um, good. This, this question, this was a question that actually came to me about two weeks ago and in a conversation. And the question was, what did you learn about your relationship with you, about creating and building a relationship with yourself. Okay. And as much as I, that's a conversation that I talk all the time about. I mean, I talk about relationship with yourself. The breakup to wake up is not about an external relationship. It is a relationship with your own way of who you are and your own way of being. Yeah. And so when, when this, you know, this person external to me posed that question to me, that blew my mind. What was I taught about, creating a relationship with myself and I thought and then my immediate yeah. was like yeah I don't think I ever have I, I, and I was like I don't think I've ever had that conversation until I got to my 40s oh. but you know this mm -hmm. was about you know your childhood and, and through young adulthood into adulthood and I thought I don't think I've ever had this conversation before with my parents right or with right. my siblings or with my friends or with past relationships you know really and I was like, okay, but it's more than just conversation. It's, it's what was the environment you grew up in? And I said, oh, wait. When I started to kind of take that step back and saying, it wasn't necessarily a conversation. And at least that's not how it came up in my world. It was watching my parents, uh -huh. right? Yes. Um, and their relationship with each other. But then, and even more so, what they each did for themselves. So like, an example of this was my father, you know, I'm the oldest of three and mm -hmm. um, my, where we grew up, my, my extended family was not nearby. They were out of state. So it really was just my two, my parents raising the three of us. Okay. And my father was, my father um, 
really enjoyed basketball and he played basketball up into his into his 60s oh. pretty regularly in fact, yeah. weekly. and so as young kids um my mom was home with us a lot so my dad worked out of the house and so on those tuesday nights that he would go to basketball my mom was like you're taking the kids like so this was a two-part here's my father taking care of something that he enjoyed taking care of himself loving on himself and here is my mom saying putting up a wall and saying you're taking the kids i want time for me so uh, in, in that example right. right there this is how this is how they they showed example to myself and my siblings of how they had a relationship with themselves and they would stand up and say i'm going to take care of these things that i'm going to make sure that i have fun in my life and take care of these things that i enjoy in my life and make sure that it happens and not like giving up on themselves and giving that piece away because my mom could have very easily said yeah go ahead you play basketball i'll take i'll be home with the kids again you know and that was not how she chose to do it right you know, and that was what they what the, and or my father could have said, I'm not going to play basketball because my wife has been home with the kids and I need to be there to to help her or mm -hmm. whatever. But that was not what they chose to do. They chose to do these things that they enjoyed. Um, I've already forgotten the question. I was meant to that to be a side note and coming back to it. Well, <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes the side note leads to an even better question or an even better point. And I think that might be the case here. Um, you know, we're on to a really interesting subject and that's self-care and a relationship with yourself because as you've made clear, break up to wake up is not necessarily about breaking up with a personal relationship, an individual relationship with someone else. It's all an inside job. So why do you suppose that self-care is such a struggle for people i believe so i think this is a this is a conditioning thing a lot and a lot of what uh -huh. i talk about is the conditioning that around yeah right right you're you're raised in um i think the the generation that raised me mm -hmm. and that i think so here i am in my 40s um, right it and actually it still exists i still see this with with especially more so i think with with mothers than I do with fathers. Um, somewhere along the way, self-care was defined as selfish. Ah, yes. Okay. Not selfless. Right. That I am, you know, I as a, a person in a community or a person in a, a family, um, I meant to any of my free time when I'm not working is meant to be to, to be with the family and to to take care of the children or make sure like make sure my my children are fed and loved and cared for it and have all these activities and we've gotten to this right. place where we right. where we we are got literally running from thing to thing to thing to thing mm -hmm. one of my what so I, i've been really conscientious about words that i choose in my world and there's a word that i there's a new word that has i've I eliminated from my diet essentially i'm going to share this an example though is there, you can either be productive in life or busy in life. Oh, right, right. For sure. And in the culture that we live in, the Western culture that we live in, we value busy. Very we don't much. value productive. We value busy. And busy tends to equate to what I just said. is like you're on this hamster wheel. You wake up in the morning. You have 
you have breakfast at 6.30. By 7 a.m., you're on the, on the train or in the car driving to work. You work yeah. all day. You're busy all day. You come home. You're, you, make, you, know, you make your meal for your family. You, you run your kid to soccer practice, to basketball, to whatever. Make sure they have done their homework. And before you know it, it's like 10 o'clock at night, and you're collapsing into bed, and you've taken zero time for yourself. Right. And you get to brag. Yes. about how busy my life is and I don't have time for this thing because I've got this that plan on this day and this plan on, <laughs> I've got all these things that's not where it's at my friends that's mm-hmm. not where it's at I, 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 I really this is something that I talk about all the time in fact self-care is, is keynote in in my practice and I, and yeah. I talk about my friends right. um, and the community that I, that I love is that I ask, I just, I ask this question. Sometimes I come at it as a challenge. I really challenge okay. people to say, okay, so you have all these things. Mm-hmm. What is something you can actually eliminate? What is something you want to eliminate? Everything. Can I eliminate <laughs> all, all things? If that may, if that feel, if, I'm glad you brought <laughs> that up. Why, why do you say that? <laughs> well, just to be funny, but I think of times where personally I've been in this situation of being busy and I've wanted to eliminate every single task on the list. Why? Because I think for me, it has been, I don't really buy into the cultural badge of honor of busyness anymore. And if it doesn't feel good, then I think that yeah, I'm speaking for myself, but for many people as well. If it, if it doesn't feel good to be in a situation, we want to distance ourselves from it as much as we possibly can. Bingo. You just, you just made my point. Thank you. You're That's welcome. what I start. This is what I start to, um, I ask people and especially, I think it's, mm-hmm. there's, there's certainly yeah. a difference. There are people um, that have, that have woken up, right? We have the conscious and we have the the unconscious and the sleepwalking, right? Sure. Um, the people that have taken, that have really recognized the elimination of things, the, the things that keep them busy, or even just first with a thought of what is it that you wish to remove? And, mm-hmm. what, and then let's just pretend that's removed. You still have it in your world, but let's just pretend that piece is removed. How does that feel? Yeah sit in that for five minutes for 10 minutes for half an hour and i'm not talking about the world necessarily meditation but like what does it feel like does it feel mm-hmm. good do you feel lighter do you feel happier do you feel joyful do you feel scared do you feel anxious do you feel nauseated do you feel like you're letting someone else down wait uh, and if you're letting someone else down are you letting yourself down mm-hmm. who's who are you really letting down and taking a little bit of time of introspection sure pull it out of your, 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 your thing altogether and actually practice it. Like, let's just say it's a, um, let's say it's a workout class, right? That you, every week you, you go to this, this yoga class and, and maybe you were signed up for it because your spouse was like, Hey, I've noticed this thing. Maybe you go to yoga and, and maybe it'll help you. So you sign up for yoga, you go and you, you get there every week. Right. And, and um, you start to realize it was never the thing that you really wanted to do. Sure. Um, take a week off, take that week, that hour that yeah. you set aside for yourself, maybe not go to yoga, but what else could you do in that hour? 
mm-hmm. that makes you happy. Right. Keep that hour to yourself. What is that thing? I and mean, yoga is probably not a great example because I think personal yoga is a wonderful thing, but it's not for everybody. I love, I love it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I do too, but it's, it isn't for everybody, right? There are people no, no. that just don't, it doesn't go for them. Sure, um, sure. But you know, making sure that you're really engaged with something in your daily life that you enjoy doing that excites you to get up in the morning. It might not be the thing that jumps you out of bed, but like maybe it's like two third in the afternoon. It's a cup of coffee that you sit by yourself for half an hour where you turn off the TV, you don't talk to anybody and you're just with you and then start to notice how you feel in that space. Right. Take that time to just take that reflection. But and to, to go back to the beginning of your question was, why do you think people don't do it? I, yeah. I really believe that we've gotten to this place where we valued this, this idea of busyness all the time. And, and God forbid, I, I mean, I, I'm a bad mom, right? It's the labels of everyone else putting that on you. Yes. That you're a bad parent right. because you aren't spending all of your time with you know, your child or your, your spouse or your friends or giving all your energy away. Mm, I mean, like quite literally yesterday, um, I'm, I'm a mom of a six-year-old and I have him part-time. Um, he's mm-hmm. with me 50% of the time, 50% with his dad. Okay. So yesterday was a day that I had him and we had been out, up late the night before. I hadn't really slept at all that night. I was just, so the next day was, you know, was a bit of a grueling day. There was a lot of activity. My son is very busy, he, active. Wow. Okay. He's active. He's not busy. He's active. All right. And I finally said to him at like mid-afternoon, I said, you know what, Chase? I'm going to go upstairs and take a nap for 30 minutes. No. Now, I will tell you that I don't know how many parents will do that. My son is six, and it was just used to me and him in the house. And I, there was nothing inside of me that said that that was not okay. okay. Everything inside of me said, I'm going to, I sat down and explained to him that I was tired. I, I invited him. I said, if you want, you know, if you want to come upstairs and lay next to me, you're welcome to. Like I gave him that, but I was beyond that. I said, if you come upstairs, you are not watching TV on my phone. It is going to be quiet. I'm closing my eyes. And I was clear with my boundary. And I was clear. And I, you know, I, I hugged him and I kissed him and told him I love him. Make sure that he felt safe. Sure. Make sure that he had food, like whatever. But I took that time for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I came back refreshed. And I came back right. re-energized because I was starting to find myself getting cranky with him and losing my cool and my temper with him. And he wasn't doing anything but being a kid. And I was like, I'm not going to punish him or like lose my temper with him over because I'm tired. Right. I know I'm tired. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's things like that. Go take care of yourself. You have this one opportunity to do it. Yes, you do. And what do you say to people when you're working with them? Because I know there are people out there listening that recognize, I think so many people recognize the importance of self-care, like we've been talking about, but they somehow don't prioritize it. Um, What do you say to people that come at you with, well, I, I just don't really know what to do to do that. I mean, what do I do? How do I do that? So I have a very, actually a very specific practice around that. Okay. Yeah. Um, And it's something that I actually start, you know, so for any of my clients that I, that the one-on-one clients uh, specifically go through, um, it's one of the very first 
two weeks that we do this this exercise. It's actually three sessions. Um, it, it bleeds into three sessions, so they get homework. Oh, <laughs> good, good, homework. good. I like this. Um, and right, and so when listen we to everybody. Do, yeah, so do what we homework. do, <laughs> we do your homework. And the more that you dig into your homework, the more you're going to, the more that you're really attentive to that, the more growth you're going to see within yourself. Right. I, and by the way, I want to tell you, and I'll be very clear, I don't have anyone's answers. I only mm -hmm. have mine. You only Perfect. have yours. All I'm here is to is to hold space and be a container yeah. where you can discover yourself. Um, so the practice is really this: is we I, I have seven sections, seven sections. Okay. Where we go through different values of different aspects or different times of your life. Like what do you value today? What are the top ten things? If you were to wake up every single every single day and you have joy in your life, what are these top ten things that that you love about your life today? Okay. What are the things that you loved about your life as a child? So sure. if today, if we're struggling with today, especially if we're in a dark place, and, and I've been there, I'm not going to say that I'm not, um, that I haven't been. In fact, we talked about that before we started recording. I was like, I took uh, several weeks off of social media because yeah. I, I had to go yes. deep. Mm -hmm. um, something came up in my world and I was like, I need to shut one thing down to be focused on this other thing. Okay. Um, but so... So you start with what's happening today. You go into like your childhood. What are the things that you loved about your childhood? Was it just, it could have been as simple as like, I love the smell of fresh cut grass. Or gosh, I remember when I was seven and I guess to ride my bike around the neighborhood and I didn't have to worry about a parent like giving me permission or just, I felt free. <laughs> yes. right? I felt free. Or right. maybe it's today, it's like, I go outside every day and I take my shoes off and put my feet in the grass and gosh, that makes me feel me. It doesn't have to be these massive things. In fact, oftentimes it's not. Right, it's right. It's simple things. So we, we go through um, those values from early childhood to future. And then what are the things that we wish to change about the world from our past, okay. our present, and from our future? Now, obviously, some of those things you can't, we, we can only control ourselves, right? And then, right. The, and then the final piece is I have very specific aspects of your life and you write a statement about if it was most perfect way of it being, what does this aspect of your life look like? And it's okay. about your personal relationships, it's about your family, it's about your finances, it's about your physical body, it's right, about right. these things. So you go through all of that and then we rank them. And then from ranking them, we go to how much do you believe you can have this? And how much do you uh, desire? How much do you desire having it? And how much do you actually believe you can actually have these things? Those are two distinctly different ways of being. Right. Because belief, you can desire it all you want, but if you don't believe that you can have it, now this is this is generation. This is like really great dirt to dig into. Let's get mm -hmm. to that because those are often where the roots live, right? Right. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So absolutely where the roots live. So when we get from a point of we now believe we can have it, that desire becomes more of a reality and we get to live into these things. So like when you talked about, well, if someone's having a difficult time of what, what it is, the values right. for today, yeah, that's where that childhood thing worked really beautifully. Okay. Yeah. I love it. Well, I, I think that I love, and you're absolutely correct that you don't have anyone else's answers. It's up to all of us to find them. So if someone wants to get a hold of you to do this deeper work with you, how would they find you? Mm 
So everything I, I can be found in two places, um, both on LinkedIn and Facebook. Okay. Um, so my Facebook page is Jocelyn.BellowsWhitehead, or you can simply look at me, look, do a search of Jocelyn Bellows on Facebook. Um, same thing with LinkedIn, and my LinkedIn is LinkedIn.com backslash Jocelyn.Bellows. Um, and that's where you can find information and how to contact me. All my contact information will be on those pages. Okay. And I also do, we didn't, well, we talked about it at the very top of the hour, but we haven't really dove into it, which is completely fine. Um, you can also um, find me on Instagram at What's Your Leap. Which is my handle for Instagram, right. and then my and then that little that, that the little podcast thing that I also do, um, <laughs> which is also shared on my Facebook and LinkedIn pages. But um, I'm I my oh my god my podcast is called Leap. Right. I interview coaches and healers from around mm -hmm. the world about what inspired them to take a leap of faith in starting their own business, and that okay. can be found on anywhere you can find podcasts. I love that. Yes, and I can attest to that because I've been a guest on your show, which was a lot of fun. I love that. So that's Leap, guys, on Anchor, anywhere you can listen to podcasts. So, Jocelyn, this brings up a question. Hmm. What caused you to take the leap of faith into starting your own business? Oh, thank you for asking that question. And it's going to, wow. So the current practice, I will say, is my own journey. Um, I moved uh, to Colorado, as you mentioned, three years ago, and within and six months after um, after arriving, I dissolved my marriage. Um, I, I and I'd had and so I was that person that was busy, right? I was running from thing to things and things. So before moving to Colorado, I had had a full time job. Um, I was a had like a senior level director. Um, my husband at the time and I owned a small business, and we had a very young child. He was three when we just before he turned three when we moved to Colorado. And in order to make this move, which was a conscientious decision, by the way, um, I, I actually parted ways with this very, very bustling career. But okay. prior to that, I was running from, I running day to day to day. Anyway, yeah. come to Colorado. My husband is traveling back frequently. I have all this space all of, it, all of a sudden in my life. And I started to realize how unhappy I was. I see. I was just so unhappy. Mm -hmm. I was so unfulfilled. Outside, everything great. Inside, I was crumbling. Mm. Um, that's when I realized I had, you know, I, I felt I dissolved my, I had to dissolve my marriage. That was what was healthiest for me. Um, and as I was going through my own healing journey and sharing very publicly what I was going through, right, um, embracing my own vulnerability, all of a sudden I became the beacon, and people were sending their their friends to me because I was thriving through what most people would say this is devastating because okay. talk about the biggest four things you can go through in life is move, change your job or job loss, mm -hmm. divorce, and death. And I did three of them in one go. I was right. like, sweet, I'll do it all. Let's, let's, see how, let's see how much more I can handle, right? <laughs> um, and it really was that. It was when people started sending their friends to me and people reaching out to me and saying, what are you doing? I, I want your magic sauce. And, yeah. and that yeah. was it. Because it was the, the journey was, I will tell you, my journey was never, I, I never thought that I was going to be the one putting my hand behind me and carrying somebody else. Because in the beginning, I had my hand outstretched in front of me and someone was carrying me. Sure. Um, and here it is. This is my, my journey is my gift. Uh -huh. And now okay. I can give that yeah. to others and know, like for people to know, you can walk through these fires. Mm -hmm. Yes, it might feel, it, you might be at the lowest point of low. And guess what you get? You get to discover yourself, right? Yourself, and you get to live in this joy of just being, not proving anything to anyone, not validating it from anyone else. You get just to be. 
Mm -hmm. That's what I'm about. Okay. Yeah, I love that. I am glad I asked you that question. <laughs> yeah, because I think that people are out there, they're listening and yeah, they're, they're probably thinking if they're in a certain situation like that, a divorce or a major transition, you know, how do I, how do I get there? How do I get there? And that's, that's really important information that you've been sharing. So another question that I've got for you is you've got a tagline that I love with a lot of alliteration. It's a leap from limitation to liberation. So tell us a little bit more about that and the, that significance to you personally. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to reflect to the beginning because I, I, I caught myself in this same loop at the beginning of coronavirus, to be honest with you. Oh, okay, um, sure. So, and this is, I mean, this has been an ongoing thing for me, but it became very apparent to me at the beginning of Corona. So here we were, mm -hmm. you know, um, quarantined, right? Yeah. And we're, we're being asked not to, not to be in company of others, right? Well, yes. I took that a step further, right? So that's a limitation right there. The government's saying, uh-uh, you, you, you only get to be with these people because we want to flatten the curve. I get it. Sure. I will. I don't love it, but I respect what you're. I respect what, what they're trying to do. Well, I went even further. I limited myself even more. I didn't reach out to my friends. I oh, didn't really? reach out to my family. I didn't talk to anybody. I sat in this little, like, really encased enclosure. Hmm. Right? I limited myself from saying, I know that I need to talk to people. I know that I need to get out of my house. But I didn't do any of that for probably two weeks maybe okay. even longer. And then all of a sudden, this is where that forgiveness and permission piece comes in. Mm -hmm. I start giving myself permission to reach out to my friends and say, I'm not doing okay, you guys. Or, or yeah, a lot, at that point, I was not doing okay. <laughs> I was right. not, and I was really, and I was like, okay with that. I was okay with not being okay. And then I was like, no, I have to take this in further. I'm still allowed to go outside. Fortunately, you know, I mean, the government hadn't shut our doors down. Sure. But what is it that makes me feel good? Go spend time on a hike. Okay. Mm -hmm. Go eat food that makes me feel good. Okay. You break through all the stuff that you tell yourself you can't, right? Yeah. When yeah. I began this, when I began this process, really began this process, um, when my marriage dissolved, I hadn't made plans with friends. I didn't, sure. you know, I didn't, I didn't do anything outside of my being. And I, and I was like, wait, I have, I'm giving myself permission to, what are the things that I want to do? I wrote a list of things right. that I wanted to do. And I went after it. Like I ran hmm. my first half marathon. I, oh, cool. my first 14 er um, I started cooking differently. I, I tried nutritional cleansing. I, I, I just tried on a lot of things right. that I had never had. I never had the self-confidence to do before. Okay. And I tried things on and I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm going to try it on. And if I love it, I'm going to keep doing it. And if I don't love it, I don't care what anyone else has to say. It's not their thing. It's mine. Right. I yes. get to choose it. So, yeah. it, it, you know, for me, yes, I'm a little bolder than most. But what I do with my coaches, with my coaches is like, what are those things that you want to love, that you love to do? Maybe it's just, maybe you just start with five. You don't have to go like balls out and have this 20, you know, eventually you will get that point because you're, you're going to do something on that list and you're going to succeed at it. And you're going to be like, yes. oh my gosh, I want more of that. What else do I get to do? What else do I get to do? It goes from 
what can't I do? What maybe I can do to like, what else do I get to do? What do I get to wake up in more this morning and do? Um, That's Mm -hmm. it's a shift. Um, But like, if you're sitting at that point and you're teetering on whatever that piece is that you want to do, and you keep getting held, you're holding yourself back. That's where the coaching comes. That's where I just hold that container. Why? What? What's the fear? What's what's holding you back from that? Because. And that's when, when I hold hands, literally I'm holding hands with okay. my clients and saying, yeah. what is it? What is that, that thing that's holding you back? Why are you so afraid of it? Are you going to die? Hmm. You know, I mean, like the, sometimes I get to, well, what's worse than death? What's mm-hmm. the lower, like, what's the worst possible thing that can happen? And we keep going into those layers of the worst and we start to shift to what is the best thing that can happen out of it. Okay. Yeah. The best thing that can happen is your dreams come true. Yes, definitely. And you end up in a completely different place, living a completely different life, which is what we're aiming for after all. Yeah. Well, Jocelyn, this has been so much fun. Tell us again how people can get a hold of you one more time, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. So um, find me on Facebook and LinkedIn, both at Jocelyn Bellows. Search me on Jocelyn Bellows. Facebook is specifically Jocelyn.Bellows Whitehead. Um, Also, you can find me and find my, um, I, I mean, I'm tripping over, like, why do I forget my own podcast? Find me on my <laughs> podcast. On, I do host on Anchor, but you can find me anywhere podcasts are, are hosted um, under mm-hmm. Leap. And then my Instagram handle is what's your leap. Wow. I don't know why I'm having such a brain fart over my show. <laughs> well, you're listening to Decide to Transform right this is here. True. So, and this is true. Th- of course, this show will be available on Decide to Transform. But yes, Jocelyn's podcast, Leap on Anchor and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. So mm-hmm. Jocelyn, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while, as I mentioned at the outset, and it has been so much fun. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me here today. Tomas, thank you so much. I'm so grateful that we had this opportunity and to I see am- your lovely face again. Ah, yes, thank you. Yes, so guys, <laughs> listening on the audio file, we're right. on a video as well, and we're we're chatting at the same time. But we've got our microphones, and this will be in an audio format on Apple, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts. You've been listening to Decide to Transform. I'm your host, Tomas Garza, and this has been J- Jocelyn Bellows here, guys. Wonderful. Have a beautiful day, everybody. Jocelyn, again, thank you. Thank you.